And we are going to finish our series on Joshua. We've been with Joshua now throughout the entire summer. And uh, we're going to finish up with the probably the, the, the most popular, one of the most popular verses in all of the Old Testament as Joshua finishes out his life as an old man. And he's going to give a prayer to the nation of Israel and a challenge to them in Joshua chapter 24. But before we get there, you know, this passage today really emphasizes the importance of the home, of what Joshua is going to highlight today. You know, the single most influential force in, on our earth is the existence of the family, or many times you'll hear it referred to as the home. The family is ordained and created by God. God established the family. It is the source from which all of human flourishing takes place, is the family. We can see that almost every societal issue in our world today can be traced back to the destruction of the family. Since God created the family, it is the mission of the devil to destroy anything that God has established. So we'll, we, if, if you trace the history of our world, you'll see how the devil will snip, snip, snip here, slowly eroding away at the structure of the family which God has designed. We, we live in a world today that really downplays the importance of the home and the family. We don't realize what kind of world our children face each day until we look back over the generations and see how things have changed. You know, our, our grandparents grew up in the time during the Depression when things were hard and everyone had to work and everyone knew the value of a dollar. It built a strong family core. It was the strong family that got this nation through the 1940s, who built strong men and women to fight against Nazism in Imperial Japan. And as you move forward through our nation, you see how that changes, how our world has changed. You move just a, you know, a couple of decades into the 60s, how drugs were introduced with LSD, the summer of love, how all of that started Sorry, chipping away at the family. You move into the 80s, you see the introduction of crack cocaine and AIDS and, and other things that slowly erode the family. The introduction of gaming systems, Ataris and Nintendos come onto the, the scene. Then as you move into the 2000s, the war on terror, 9-11, the introduction of social media with MySpace. Anybody have a MySpace account here back in the day? A few of you, yeah, a few of you had MySpace. And then you move forward 20 years today. And with what our kids deal with today, that is such a distraction with the family. You think about today with the little things they carry around in their pockets called phones and the YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat, and how all of that has led to the sexual revolution which our kids face on a daily basis in school. Our kids see more, they know more, they experience more, and they grow up faster than any generation 
in our world. Sex talk is nothing to them because they hear it every day. And against that reality, these words of Dr. James Dobson strike home. He said, we must make the salvation of our children our number one priority. Nothing else is more important. And he's right. Driving back the importance of the family. Joshua certainly understood this importance. He understood the power of family in the home, and as he came to end his life, he called the leaders of Israel together for one final message. Knowing he is really on death's doorstep, he sounds a call to renewal, the thing that begins with a recital of God's blessings in the past. Now think about what this man has seen. Here he is sitting in Israel, in the promised land that he dreamed about for decades. Joshua grew up in slavery in Egypt. He saw God part the Red Sea. He wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years in the Sinai Desert. He saw, through God's working, the conquering of the land of Israel. This man lived a full life. He saw a lot. And he calls the elders of Israel together. In the first part of Joshua chapter 24, he challenges the people to be faithful to God by remembering the blessings. Now you have to remember, this was an oral society. The way they would remember those things is by telling them to their children and to their grandchildren. They did not have paper and books like what we have today so things could be written down. So they would sit around in the evenings and tell the stories of what God has done. How God had taken care of them. That was Joshua 1 or chapter 24 verses 1 through 13. In the last half of Joshua chapter 24, he challenges them to be faithful. But in the middle of this message, we find these stirring words that had been quoted and memorized for over 3,000 years. But as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. You've probably heard this verse, verse 15. And those words and the verses leading up to them, we can really find five decisions that we must make as a people. Decision number one. We must build a grace-based family. As Joshua recounts the story of the conquest of the promised land, he reminds them of what the Lord has done. Let's start reading in verse 11 of Joshua chapter 24. And you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho, and the leaders of Jericho fought against you, and also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And I gave them into your land. And I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, the two kings of the Amorites. It was not by your sword or by your bow. I gave you a land on which you had not labored and the cities that you had not built. And you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of the vineyards and the olive orchards that you did not plant. He's reminding them it was God. It was God 
who took care of you. Joshua wants the people to never forget it was God. It was by God's miraculous power. After all, the Israelite army had won battle after battle, routing the enemy on the field. It would be natural for them to start thinking it was by their might that they were something special, that they were stronger than all of the other nations, but that thought is always deadly. When we start thinking it's because of my intellect that I got to this school, that I got this good job, that it's because of me, 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 that is deadly. That is deadly to this day for us as individuals and for our families. Joshua knew that once the people took credit for their victories, they would soon turn away from the Lord altogether. We ought to do with our families what Joshua does with the people of Israel. It's good for us to remember and reflect on the record of God's faithfulness. We need to say to our children often, sweetheart, do you remember when you were sick and we prayed and God healed you and you were better? Do you remember when dad lost his job and we prayed, God heard our prayers and gave dad another job? Do you remember when we prayed for Uncle Joe and Aunt Cheryl's marriage to be restored? And it was. We, as a family, must continually reflect back on the faithfulness of God because it is God who does these things. A good memory of God's blessing is a bulwark against discouragement and a saddened heart. So I ask you, church, has God blessed you? This room should rock. Has God blessed you? Yeah. Yes. Reflect on that. Make that a practice of your family to name the blessings of God. Think about it often. Tell your children, your families, and friends, pass it along so that succeeding generations can tell the story after you are gone. You know, one of the stories my dad loves to tell, it's oral because it's not written down, is my great-grandfather, who was saved on a logging truck in North Florida. A man decided to share Christ with him, and generations were changed. That is an oral tradition about the blessings of God. Grace-based family, reflecting on the grace of God. God's grace is so amazing. Decision number two, teach your family to worship God. Joshua 24, verse 14, it says, Now therefore fear the Lord. When we talk about fearing the Lord, many people get the idea of cringing in terror the biblical concept is much broader than that. Fearing the Lord means having such a deep respect for God 
that we want to please him in all that we say, do, and think. That is fearing the Lord. One writer refers to it as an inner devotion that causes us to honor God. How do we share this inner devotion with our families? It's more than a program. It is an atmosphere. When the parents truly fear God, their children will learn to fear him too. When they love the Lord, it will be natural for the children to love him too. When they sing songs of praise in the home and they hear those psalms of praise, it does something in their heart when those words are lifted up. When they pray, the children hear those prayers to God. You know, men bear a heavy responsibility in this area. And I'm speaking, you know, some t- a lot to dads, husbands, grandfathers, young men, high school boys, college men, men of every age. Really, it starts with you. For too many years, we have delegated spiritual leadership to others in our lives whether that might be the mom or the pastor at your church. But God has laid a burden on the fathers in the home to be the spiritual head of the home. God meant spiritual leadership to be a shared burden between the mom and the dad, but the men must take the initiative in the home. Now, I know we have many wives and mothers here today who bear this burden of spiritual leadership by yourself to which i would say god gives grace in those situations to allow you to carry that burden and my prayer is deeply for you that you can do that god will give you the grace to do that Unfortunately, women in the church have had to carry this burden because of the lack of men who are willing to stand up. Men, when we learn that our actions speak louder than our words, we step up and say, I want to be the spiritual head of my home. So the decision number two, teach your family to worship God. Joshua says, therefore, fear the Lord. You want to please him in everything that you say, do, and think. Decision number three, become a student of obedience. Verse 14, now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. This word serve is used in various forms in these verses. This obviously is the burden of Joshua's heart. He wants the people to willingly serve the Lord. He specifies what that means when he adds in faithfulness. Some translations say in all faithfulness, every area of life must be surrendered to the Lordship of Christ. That means that there is no hidden rooms in your life. There is no hidden privacy from your spouse. It means putting aside the false gods that, w- that you may worship in this life. Matthew 
Henry the Great commentators calls them the dunghill deities because they have no power to save, only power to corrupt. Become a student of obedience in your service. Number four, remember your spiritual heritage. It says in verse 15, And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Now these verses are a little strange when you first read them, verse 14 and 15. But then when you understand Joshua is appealing to kind of the, the democratic sense of his hearers. He offers them a series of choices. Here's his choice. You have the choice to serve the one true God. You know him to be true because you've seen his works. You've seen manna fall down from heaven for 40 years to feed you. You've seen him help you conquer this land. You can serve him or you can serve the gods beyond the river is the way he said in this verse. And he's referring beyond the Euphrates River, referring to the gods of what would soon be Babylon. At this time, it was Ur of the Chaldees. These would be the gods of the ancient tradition. The moon god and the sun god is what they worshipped. And he says the gods of Egypt, meaning the gods of rain, darkness, and natural disasters. Those were the gods of Egypt. Then the gods of the Amorites, meaning the gods of fertility and sexual pleasure. Joshua saying, make your choice. Who will you serve? If you don't choose the living and true God, then go back to those lands and worship those gods. Go all the way back to Ur if you like. Some people prefer the gods of this world to the gods of the Bible. Here is the truth of the world that we live in today. And you've heard me say this before. We all worship something. There is no non-religious person walking upon the face of this earth. How do I know that to be true? Because that's the way that God created us. God created us to be worshipers of him. We were created to worship the creator. And so if we don't worship the creator, we will worship something else. In our world today, just like Ur of the Chaldees, who worship the sun and the moon and the nature, we have people that do that today. Instead of worshiping God, they find everything else out in nature. They, you'll even hear people say, nature is my God. They're honest about it. They will tell you. Because we are created to worship something. Or we worship the God of the Amorites today. Sexual pleasure. Or just pleasure in general. That is what gets us through the week. To get to the weekend so we can have pleasure again. We will worship something. So the message that Joshua gave to the nation of Israel 3,000 years ago holds true to us today. Because the people back then are no different than the people today. We are created to worship something. So either we are going to get serious about worshiping the God of the Bible, or in the words of Joshua, don't play games 
Just go worship those other gods. That message rings true today. Will we as a people remember our spiritual heritage and worship the one true God? Make your choice. If you don't want to choose the living and true God, then go back to the false gods. This is the genius of biblical faith, of the biblical religion. We need not try to coerce people into worshiping the Lord. Because if you are a true follower of Christ, the Spirit puts that desire in your heart to worship Him. The Holy Spirit draws people to Christ, not our eloquent presentation, not our arm twisting of our spouses or our children it is the spirit that will do the work to bring them to worship decision number five choose daily to serve the lord joshua said but as for me and my house we will serve the lord this is one of the most famous statements in the Old Testament, and rightly so, because it expresses the heart of a great spiritual leader at the end of his life. And these simple words, we find the will of God expressly stated. We are to serve the Lord, and we are to do everything in our power to make sure that our family follows that example several implications from this first each of us must personally decide to serve the lord i can't choose that for you you can't choose that for your husband or your wife or your children this is a personal choice we need a generation of joshua's who will make this choice for themselves and the world around them will see that they have decided to serve the Lord. And the truth is, this is a daily choice. It is a daily choice of waking up and saying, I'm going to serve the Lord today. This is the desire of my heart. Second implication, parents have a special obligation to set the right example in this area. We can hardly expect our children to serve Christ when we take these duties lightly. When it's not a cornerstone on our calendar on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. that no matter what happens, church is the most important thing. The special obligation to set a right example in our service in our church. Third, I'm going to hit this again. Fathers have the highest obligation. If it's true that the apple never falls far from the tree, then I better make sure the tree is healthy or what will the fruit be like? What will the fruit be like? It is scary when you are a parent and you see your children with your mannerisms or respond to life in the way that you respond. 
talking about your ungodly responses. <laughs> and you're like, man, is it that bad? Do I respond that way? We have an obligation to set a godly example for our children. You know, I, I'm struck by Joshua's boldness in this last statement. Really, because he's making a public statement here. He says, but as for me, he means I don't care what the rest of you do. I don't control the rest of your families. I'm going to serve the Lord. Even though he was the leader of the nation, he was willing to part with his own people over this fundamental issue. We all have to say that sooner or later, it happens to us, whether we are office workers, executives, business leaders, teachers, students, blue-collar workers, or simply dealing with our friends and family members and neighbors. If you follow Christ, there will come a time with that individual that you will have to say, do what you want to do, I'll still be your friend, but my service to the Lord is more important. My service to the Lord is number one. It's a public statement, but as for me, number two, it is a personal decision. But as for me, in the end, it comes down to this. You must choose to serve the Lord because that does not happen by accident. You don't just accidentally decide to serve the Lord. It is intentional. It's not something that can be inherited from your parents. They can give you the heritage, but at some point you must make the decision your own. So many of you sitting here today grew up in church. Your parents forced you to go. And whenever you moved out of the house, you had this time away from God. But then you realize this is a choice I must make to follow the Lord which got you back to sitting here today. It must be your choice. Number three, this is a persuasive declaration. But as for me and my house, this may be the most amazing thing of all. Here Joshua speaks as the God-appointed leader of his family. He claims the right to speak for his wife, children, his grandchildren, and great-grandchildren, and as the leader of his clan, he says, I hold their proxy in my hand, and I declare that my entire household will serve the true and living God. And every Christian man should be able to make a similar statement about the family that God has given him to lead. Number four, this is the positive statement. We will serve the Lord. This is more than a statement about forsaking other gods, though it is implied, it means that Joshua's family will orient itself around the God of Israel. His law will be their law, his commandments will be their delight, his worship will be their highest goal, and his glory will be their ultimate aim. Joshua does not say, my house without me, nor does he say, me without my house, which would be a different kind of hypocrisy. Both are joined together as God intended. I will serve the Lord, and my family will join me in this pledge. How can a man be so certain about his family? Joshua could be so certain about that because he 
had taught them well for many years. He knew and he saw his children and his grandchildren's commitment to, to the God he worshipped. Let no man read these words and think that he may live carelessly and worship the gods of this world and live his whole life and at the end of his life ask God to save his family. To live that way and then to pray desperately at the end is to presume upon the grace of God. Let me ask the question this way. Can I guarantee that my children and grandchildren will fall in my steps and serve the same God that I worship? The answer is no, because God has given each of us an ability to make our own choices. We all know of the sad cases where godly parents produced offspring who do not serve Christ. Then what does this text mean? Godly parents can tip the scales in the right direction. We cannot guarantee that our, what our children will do, but we can provide an atmosphere of godliness plus heartfelt joy that makes it easier for our children to choose God over the other gods of this world. Choose the one true God. So I ask you, is your mind made up to serve the Lord? Are you ready to serve him? Do you know where you stand in your faithful service to him? Joshua's words here, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. That was a challenge to the nation of Israel that rings true today for Bethel Community Church. Who will you serve? In the words of Bob Dylan, he says, you're going to have to serve somebody well, it may be the devil, it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. No one gets a free ride. No one gets to straddle the fence forever. There is no room for neutrality. Every person needs the Lord. Every person must serve the God that they choose. If you choose not to choose, you've already made the choice. You can't choose the true God by default or by inheritance. It must take action upon your part make the choice is your desire today to make the joshua commitment as for me and my house we will serve the lord for those of you who do not know jesus as your lord and savior today could be your day of salvation if you were to humbly come before God and say, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I need Christ. I want my family to follow Christ. Today could be your day that you choose yourself this day whom you will serve. There are many people who have made that decision to look to Christ as their Lord and Savior but their loyalties are divided among the God, the one true God, 
and the God of the Amorites, and the Ur of the Chaldees, and the Egyptians. What God will you serve? Let's pray.